This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca, and Monday means from the NHL Network, from NHL Now, Mr. E.J. Raddick. How are you, sir? I am fine, Mr. Don LaGreca. Uh, we got so much to discuss. Were you like a, were you at that Jets game with that pouring rain? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I, I don't ever remember being in a game where it rained that hard. And yeah, you know, it was brutal. I was at a I was at a Jets Broncos game. You might remember this. I don't know if you were doing the games then. Favre was with the Jets then, and it was just the first game of when they started to go downhill in that season, and it rained as like all day, just like yesterday. Oh yeah, and it was a it was a mess. Yeah, that was what oh eight when the Jets started out eight yeah. and three and ended up That's finishing right. eight and eight. And this was the twelfth. If it was eight and three, then this was game twelve. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it would, that was the start of the end. Uh, but uh, at any rate, it was it would rain just a miserable, miserable day. So the, for the fans who get out in those kind of games, I give them a lot of credit because uh, it's not pretty. Yeah, and um, that's football though, and it's it was uh, it was it was a little a little tiring. I was in Montreal the night before, and I guess that's a good place to start as any. Okay. There's so many Ranger fans that are. You know, listening to this podcast, and they all want AV fire, and you got to make a change. And Larry Brooks has been uh, reporting different things coming out, but uh, I've, I've I've attended every single one of their games, EJ. All twelve games, I've been in the building. This to okay. me does not seem like a coaching problem. It just seems as if this is a team trying to put guys in situations that they're just not suited to be in and they just aren't really good right now and I don't know if it's ch- a changing coach is going to make that any different. Uh, I don't know if they have the personnel right now. They certainly have the personnel to be better than they are right now yeah. but I, I, I can't really, I, I don't believe anyway that a coaching change is going to make it all come together because I do think that there are certain flaws on this roster. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you bring someone. I mean, first of all, you always have to identify who you're bringing in, right? I mean, if you're just going to shuffle Lindy Ruff down the bench, I mean, you know, Lindy had his own issues in Dallas the last couple of years. Now, they didn't have great goaltending, so that hurt him. But, I mean, you know, again, there's no – you're not getting any surprise candidate if you just move Lindy down the bench. I mean, if you're going to go out and try to find – a younger guy to come in. I mean, it's tricky to come in a month into the season and do something. And I didn't think Elaine Vino all of a sudden overnight just forgot how to to coach. I didn't. I didn't really particularly like some of the player deployment in the playoffs last year, particularly in the series against Ottawa. But you know, again, he's had a lot of success with the Rangers and just didn't work out last year. And I don't think the Rangers are are sitting where they are, which is in the bottom of the Metropolitan Division, because Elaine Vino isn't using his players the right way. I just think they've made some changes over the last couple of years that are, and it's really, uh, it's kind of showing right now. Some of their try, it almost seems like Donna, and you could give me your opinion. It seems like they're trying to do something which is really tricky, which is trying to almost rebuild while staying competitive. And, uh, that's not easy to do, but that's what it seems like they're doing. Yeah. Cause you've got young kids in certain situations, but you've also got veterans who you're trying to get the playing time. I like the fact that they brought Nieves up that rounds out four lines and it certainly woke up Grabner and Bushnevich, uh, in the game against the Coyotes, but not, not much against, uh, Montreal. 
Uh, I'm not sure that Zabanajad, just because he's playing uh, as the top center, that he is a top center, although he's been fine offensively, and Shattenkirk has produced offensively as well. But I'm not sure that they're getting the, the defense that they probably thought they were going to get from Shattenkirk. And, and you know, again, we're waiting for Kreider. Uh, that he was a 27 goal scorer last year. I know Ranger fans want him to be a 30 plus goal scorer, but is he a 30 plus goal scorer? Is it reasonable to expect Rick Nash to be the 40 goal scorer that they acquired for Columbus, or is this just now a guy that's towards the end of his career that is not that kind of offensive player anymore? I, you know, so I, I get a lot of Ranger fans who come up to me and say, "Why is this team underachieving?" Why? But from an individual standpoint, who is giving you less than the back of their hockey card? And, and I'm not yeah, really sure right. that there are the many really guys right. that are really doing anything different than they've done their entire careers. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, at first I would say, like, the departure of Stepan and Girardi, right? I mean, while I think that, you know, I didn't have a big problem from, like, on the ice where they're at in their careers, like, hey, you know, uh, you know, these guys are not replaceable. But I think where they're really hard to replace within their group is that they just held guys accountable. So, I mean, that's one thing that goes on. And they've made – these changes, and you're right, Kevin Shattenkirk should be no surprise to certainly people who follow hockey, should be no surprise to, I think, Ranger management of who he is. He is a, uh, you know, a second-pair, third-pair defender who is a really good power play type guy, an offensive guy that makes mistakes in the D zone and is not the fleetest guy in the world, but, you know, he's pluses and minuses like all players. There are no perfect players, but, I mean, this is someone now that's playing more than 21 minutes a night for you, and you're going to have to live with some of the negatives and uh you know that that shouldn't be a surprise chris kreider has been with the rangers for years i mean now it's not, this is not like his first year out of college he's been with the rangers for years we know what you're getting you're going to get peaks and valleys you know the peaks will be high and the valleys will be deep and that's just you know where we're at and rick nash i mean he's in his 30s now he's at the end of his contract he doesn't he's not really an explosive forward at this point in his career um but he's a very very good player but he's just he's a complimentary piece he's not a center he's not a defender he's a winger so you know there's still similar issues i mean they're not strong down the middle they're working in some new defenders and uh the goaltending hasn't been able to clean up the mess i mean lundquist is i think probably his own admission would probably say he hasn't been uh, on top of his game and you know public again it's not this is what he is i mean he was he was in, in Winnipeg and before that Atlanta, and he's always kind of been the same guy. So I think these are the challenges, and, you know, they're hoping that the Bunuevas and, and some of the younger players within their group, uh, you know, Brady Shea and guys like that are going to continue to develop. And, you know, they've got Cheadle down in the minors, and, uh, you know, Anderson they hope is going to be a player for them down the road. So, I mean, this is a team that, to me, is, yeah. it's kind of been one of those windows right now where they're, they're waiting for some more young players to be part of things. And maybe if there was no Lundqvist, if there was no Nash, you might just go full-blown rebuild, but because you still have some pieces there that are under contract that you want to try to take advantage of that, and and so they're kind of cut caught in between, as you said, you know, kind of trying to rebuild, but also trying to, to take advantage of the veterans they have and try to squeeze out another playoff performance. And, you know, in this league, you get into the playoffs and, you know, Lundquist stands on his head and maybe you make you win a couple of rounds. I mean, we are talking about a team that went to the second round last year and many people thought they should have went to the conference final. So it, it's it's a tough spot to be in. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, if they're going to get out of this doldrums and be better, 
I mean, you know, it's going to be on the backs of uh, obviously Lundqvist in goal, of Ryan McDonough, of, you know, in the middle of, you know, Zabanajad has got to, you know, carry the ball more for them. Um, you know, those those three young players that I've talked about for the last couple of years, Kreider, Hayes, Miller, you know, they've got to take their game up a notch. Uh, Bushnevich is in year number two. He's gotten off to a pretty good start offensively. I mean, those are the guys that, you know, have to push this team up and they have to try to be better in their own end and get that good goaltending. I don't think it's it's inconceivable to think that they're going to be, be better than they've been so far. But sometimes when the ball starts rolling downhill on you, and I think, you know, that's what, you know, you talk about Larry Brooks has been reporting things. I think he's, because he has such a depth of knowledge of the history of the franchise. Right. I mean, you can see that sometimes when things turn, uh, they can turn quickly. So I think, you know, when I look at the Rangers right now, they got, you know, Vegas coming in, who's been a real story this year. And then they go down to Tampa and play Florida. I mean, this is a tricky part of their schedule. And Columbus after that at home, that's a, that's not an easy game. So uh, these next this next handful of games is going to be a, a, a very interesting stretch to see if the Rangers can get things turned back around. Yeah, we'll see. And, of course, it starts tomorrow against a uh, red-hot Vegas Golden Knights team. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, you know, we thought it was a goaltending problem with Niemi, but this team flat-out can't play in the second of back-to-backs. It doesn't <laughs> seem that way. Uh, they were a complete no-show in Winnipeg. They go out there on Saturday, and uh, they play a competitive game, losing 2-1 to the Wild, and then... What, three goals in 34 seconds, a hat trick for Wheeler in four and a half minutes, and they're down 5 nothing in the first period to Winnipeg in a game they eventually lost 7-1. Yeah, 0-4 in the second of back-to-backs. I believe they've given up something in the area of 29 goals. Uh, you know, even we know Niemi was, was never uh, – like, Niemi's not going to win uh, any Vezina trophies at this stage of his career for sure, but, like, it's not only the goaltender in those situations. The Penguins just didn't play well, and I know talking to – People within the group there, uh, they they lost Saturday night in Minnesota, and and Mike Sullivan has been really unhappy with their five-on-five play. And it's, you know, I think it's one of those things. This is a team that has won back-to-back Stanley Cups. No one has done that in nearly 20 years before they were able to accomplish it. They've got really high-end elite players. And I think for the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, this is the result of being so good for two straight years and having all those hockey games, I mean, I think it's just not human nature to be, to get up, to take on, you know, everybody's always gunning for you when you're the champs. I think for the Penguins, the goal is to try to, to, to just try to be better as the season goes along here. Make sure you get in the playoffs, earn a playoff spot. And then once they're there, I think they, they're a team that can, can do damage because they have, uh, they have Matt Murray who's never lost the playoff series. They have Crosby, they have Malkin, they have, right. they have, uh, you know, uh, a healthy Latang, although he has really struggled so far, at least from a standpoint of plus minus. I mean, minus fourteen. Yeah, for Latang. I mean, I guess a lot of that is a result of what's gone on in those in those games we mentioned. But uh, you know, I think it's going to be kind of a bumpy ride for the Penguins this year in terms of uh, these kind of ups and downs because this is a team that's played a lot of hockey over the last couple of years, and everybody's gunning for them. Los Angeles Kings just continue to roll nine one and one on the year. Is it just a healthy Kopitar? Is it something John Stevens is doing? Is it the fact that Quick is healthy? Is there one thing that's really jumped out at you and why it's all seemed to come together for L.A.? Well, the first thing is that Quick is healthy and he's at 950 save percentage, right, in his first you know nine or ten games of the season. So that starts it way. Because like last year when he went down, their goaltending wasn't awful. Peter Budai actually played pretty well for them, but he's not Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick intimidates the other team, he gets in the head of the other team, 
and uh, him playing as well as he's played so far, that's kind of where it starts. Then after that, you know, they did make the coaching change. They've turned the, the players loose a little bit now. The players feel like uh, it's on them now. Uh, they're playing a little bit, a little bit more of an offensive jump. Like someone like Drew Doughty is jumping into the play more. Um, you know, I think these guys have taken ownership of the fact that hey, you know, Daryl wore us down. We made we made light of it. They made the coaching change. Now it's on us to to kind of put up or or shut up, kind of that. Uh, hey, you know, we can be we can be a really strong team in this league again. And when you think about Kopitar, who was terrific in the World Cup of Hockey last year for uh, Team Europe, and then he had some injury issues, and it just never worked for him last year. He is healthy and going. Dustin Brown, who was like you know in missing persons for the last couple of years, I mean, yeah. I think his career was really winding down. He's on a long, big contract. I thought he was definitely a buyout candidate. I mean, he's got 11 points now in 11 games, so he's playing well. Uh, a young kid like Adrian Kempe has come in and played well. So, um, you know, there, they, there was a focus. There's teams that come into this league every year having a disappointing season the year before that have a real focus on getting off to a good start. And this is a team that has really high-end players. Kopitar yeah. is one of the top ten centers in hockey. Dowdy's one of the top handful of defensemen in this game. And Jonathan Quick is a difference maker in goal. So when you put everything around that, and those guys are going, they can carry a long way. They will continue to miss Jeff Carter, who's out for a couple of months with kind of a freak injury that he suffered. So at some point that will, I think, hurt them. But, uh, hey, things are clicking right now for the L.A. Kings, no yeah. question. Yeah, you look at the top five teams in the National Hockey League as far as standings are concerned, and you take Vegas out because it's their first year, but the Devils missed the playoffs last year. Tampa missed the playoffs last year. Kings missed the playoffs last year. So you're right, maybe for different reasons, but you just see that some teams are tackling the early portion of the regular season a little differently. Chicago, kind of in a malaise. Pittsburgh is kind of in a malaise. Anaheim, they've had injuries, but they're also kind of good some nights, bad the others. So maybe it is, you're right, maybe it's just a case of, Hey, some teams took October really seriously because they needed to get off to a good start, whether it's the kids in Jersey or uh, healthy players in L.A. And then some teams to say, I know I'm going to make the playoffs, uh, and maybe I don't have to be quite as focused in October or November. Uh, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's just looking at the standings, you see a lot of that. I think it's human nature in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, I, I do think, you know, for, for Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh this year, this is going to be a really challenging year for an excellent coach. I mean, I thought Mike has just done – I mean, obviously, he's won two consecutive Stanley Cups, so what am I saying? I mean, <laughs> right. he's, he's, he's done a terrific, terrific job there. I just think he was the perfect guy at the right time for that team. All that said, you know, he has an expectation level for this team of where they're, they're going to be. And remember, Mike is missing a guy that was part of his group. Rick Tockett was uh, really his one of his, his top lieutenant there. As an assistant coach, he's gone off in Arizona now. So, you know, Mike, it's going to be a challenge for Mike to maintain his cool and his focus because right now, you know, he's probably very frustrated. He's the guy behind the bench. He's watching this. He knows this team can be better. But, uh, you know, he's got to figure out solutions to these uh, to these problems. And sometimes the solutions are really difficult because, mm -hmm. again, they've won two years in a row. In their minds, they probably feel like on any night they're better than anybody else in this league. But – 
again, when they walk into Winnipeg on the second of a back-to-back, the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, that's a that's a season maker to have to oh, play yeah. home to, to beat the Penguins like that. So sure. everybody measures themselves against the Penguins. It's so true. It'll be a challenge this year. You know, that's a great point, especially these Western teams. That's the only time Pittsburgh's going to Winnipeg. You know, so you don't get to see Sidney Crosby all that often. So the building's probably up for grabs. They get all pumped up, and it is a, it is a tough spot for them. But it's just still interesting that the second no, no of the back-to-backs has just been an absolute disaster. How about Vancouver? We haven't talked much about them. Derek Dorsett's just playing out of his mind. Is that just is that? But but is that what it is? Because we saw it last year when the Rangers got off to that great start. You know, VC scoring a ton of goals out of nowhere. You know, watching them. Uh, the last couple of games and gets getting a, a feel. I'm just really pleasantly surprised for a team that I thought would be an also ran, and maybe they end up will be. But they've really come together and have been a nice uh, a nice story here early on. Well, they fit into that category again, also of a team that uh, you know needed if they were going to have any chance to be competitive this year. It was life or death to get off to a good start, right? I mean, the Vancouver Canucks. Nobody's talking about them. Everybody figures they're going to be 30 or 31 in the league. And they're rebuilding. They're doing that thing really hard. They're really rebuilding on the fly because they still have the Sedin twins there. And then they're introducing a lot of young players in the mix. They brought in a new coach, Travis Green. Now, what I heard was they had a grueling training camp. And uh, I think that's awesome because I think when you're the Vancouver Canucks, the only chance you're going to have in an 82-game schedule in this league is to be in the best shape of anybody in this league and to try to outwork teams night after night. I've said it about teams before that are in this rebuild. Go to work. Do all the work you can. Put your head down. Work your rear end off. Yeah. games, And pick your head up at the end of the season and see where you are. Now, I don't think Vancouver can sustain it. But, uh, you know, and Brock Besser, who's been a really good rookie for him, has nine points, leads him in scoring. He's got a little bit of an injury issue right now. I don't think he's going to play in their game on Monday night. So, you know, that's a concern. But, uh, you know, at least at the start, Travis Green, who comes with really, uh, I think, really good uh, references from his coaching in the minors and in junior, um, has really got these guys believing in themselves. And let's face it, in that room, I'm sure there's a lot of us against the world because nobody thought the Vancouver Canucks were going to be any good this no. year, and here they are off to a good start. So we'll see if they can sustain it, but it's 82-game season, and it's not easy. Yeah, it's um, it's a long, long grind of a season for sure. You know, we'll see, you know, obviously Vegas coming out east. I think that's going to be a real um, measuring stick type situation for them, right? Because they started out with the two games on the road. They've spent, what, like seven straight at home, something ridiculous like that. And yep. and not that these teams are a world, but certainly the Rangers are struggling. Islanders have been a nice story here early on. They've kind of turned things around as Tavares has just gone off in two of the last three yeah. games. So that'll be interesting in Boston. But, you know, we, we had Dave Gosher on, uh, EJ, on, on, uh, on Friday, and, yeah, the, the the first test was they had the Blues and the Blackhawks back-to-back games. So let's see what they did. Well, they won both of those. But this one they said they circled as this is what we'll find out what they're about, their longest road trip uh, of their history and, and how they will do coming out the other end of it. Yeah, you know, the thing about Vegas, too, and I was out there for the opener, uh, you know, for their home opener, and it's like the first two games were on the road. They got Dallas, tight game. Ben Bishop gets hurt in the game. They end up winning the game 2-1. to one. The next night they're in Arizona. Uh, you know, the, in that game, uh, again, same kind of thing. Rally went two to one in overtime. So they sneak out those wins. Then they come over that seven game homestand and they literally played like every two or three days. And I know they've had some injuries. They've gone through three goalies now. They're into Oscar Dance, who's one of the three stars of the week this week. He's played that well. 
And Oscar Dance was, a, I think, a second-round pick of the Blue Jackets, and I got to see him play in the Ivan Holinka tournament for Sweden back in 2011. And he's a pretty talented young kid. Now, you never know how things are going to play out, but it's not like they, they got this guy off the street. He was uh, He's a pretty legit prospect. But now they're going to be playing some back-to-backs, like the Rangers and Islanders back-to-back. They're on the road. They're in a different time zone. I mean, the schedule was very, very favorable, and I think intentionally so for this franchise to start off uh, their first season. And now is where the rubber is going to hit the road a little bit for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, and we'll see. Uh, kind of, we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about it. But I'll say one thing: Jordan Gallon has done an unbelievable job getting this group together, and uh, they have been just a great story. And yeah. God, they're penalty killing sixth in the NHL. Penalty killing that. That is pretty impressive. I mean, there are 25 franchises wish they were as good a penalty-killing team as the Golden Knights so far, and I think a lot of that, to me, goes back to Gerard Gallant and his ability to bring these guys from all different places together and get them on the same page quickly. All right, you want some uh, tweets here, buddy? Yes, I do. All right, Sean wants to know, who's your biggest surprise so far this year, good and bad? All right, good, I think. I think good has to I mean, you know, Vegas has to be on that list. And I think Vancouver, too. I mean, Vancouver, yeah. like I said, they were off the board, so to speak. I mean, Vegas, we knew, was an expansion team, so that's kind of different. And, you know, it's a surprise, certainly, that they're off to an 8 one start for sure. But the Canucks, uh, you know, going on the road, winning 4-5, 6-3-1 on the season, um, there were not any. I would say, you know, they say, usually say there's not very many people who said. I will say there was no one who said that the Vancouver Canucks would be off to a good start like this. So I would say that's the biggest uh, surprise in terms of, for me at least, I'm just just blown away by uh, a surprise. Uh, good, I you know I think Ottawa. Now they're five one and five, so they've had these old these shootout losses. But I mean they've gotten points in uh, ten of their eleven games. And coming off a trip to the conference final, they lost the game seven. They had some key guys that went through surgeries and injuries in the offseason, lost uh, a key player in Mark Mathot. Uh, you know, I thought that uh, that train might be going in the other direction, but I give Guy Boucher a lot of credit in that group because they've been able to be very competitive in this first part of the season. They've found ways to get points uh, just about every game, and they're sitting second in the Atlantic Division right now. So I guess. Um, you know, a favorable, uh, you know, that's another favorable one. I'm thinking negatives. I mean, the Rangers are disappointing where they're at right now. Um, you know, Edmonton has got to be, I think Edmonton is probably the biggest one from a negative standpoint. Yeah. I mean, three, six, and one through 10 games. Uh, and you know what? It's not that they're, they just don't, they don't look good in the games they've played. There haven't been too many games outside of their opener where you said, boy. The Edmonton Oilers look terrific. They just had bad luck in that game. They just they haven't looked like themselves, so I think they've got some things to work out there. Yeah, and Montreal certainly has been a disappointment. I didn't think they'd well, make the playoffs, but this was bad. They're not disappointing uh, yeah. to me because I didn't think they were any good to begin with. Well, I, I did, <laughs> listen, I didn't have them making the playoffs either, but I didn't have them one of the worst teams in the league. But I will say this, they've gotten 83 shots on goal in their last two games, and Price can turn it around, but I, I don't yeah. think that they're very good. But I'm, I'm with you, Edmonton. You know, Certainly Arizona, I thought, would be a rebuilding year, new coaches, new system, but 0-10-1 yeah. yeah. to start the year, certainly not you know, what anybody you know expected. What, though, Donna, the, the other night against the Devils, they really outplayed the Devils, I thought, by a fairly wide margin in that game and they could have easily won that game they got took two penalties late they have two power play goals you know louis domingo ends up getting waved now 
uh, is not the answer for them. They're hoping that they get Ronta back. They picked up Scott Wedgwood from the Devils, and you know it's a great opportunity for Scott Wedgwood, who was not going to go anywhere uh, in this organization in New Jersey behind Corey Schneider and Keith Kincaid. So for him to get this opportunity is terrific. In fact, he may play on on the Monday night against uh, at Philadelphia. But um, you know they are they seem to be moving in the right direction, but. You know, again, you lose your first 11 games, you're 0-10-1. I mean, your season's over. James uh, asks, with the big win in Nashville, any difference between this year's Islanders team and last year's team? I think that the Islanders seem more focused and dialed in on what they want to do. There's fewer distractions, I think. Uh, you know, like the goaltending, for example. There's two goalies there now, and they're kind of rotating. And I think Halak is the... You know, I think Halak has always been the best of the goaltenders there. I just, uh, you know, it's not by a wide margin, but I think he's better than Thomas Rice, and I think he'd be the guy that I'd roll with right now. Um, but, the, you know, the, the Josh Hosang thing, he was up. Now he's, you know, and then he was back down to the minors for a couple of games. I heard he was terrific in the game against Hartford on Friday night. I think he'll eventually be part of this thing with the Islanders. But uh, I know there's the John Tavares concern about the contract so that is a big kind of uh, cloud that hangs over the group and we know about the arena situation but it just seems like they're going about their business and I know Doug Waite and that coaching staff uh, really they put a lot of work in throughout the summer and uh, they had a plan of the way they want to do things and uh, I'm not really surprised that they're off to a pretty good start we'll see if they can maintain it and if they keep getting you know those younger players with those younger veterans within their group like the Brock Nelsons and, and players like that continue to deliver for them and, you know Andrews Lee and they're going to be uh, they're going to be hard to beat uh, Chris asks I expected Buffalo to be better could it be chemistry or maybe have they been poisoned by a culture of losing well I'll tell you I, I, I thought they would be better too and they haven't gotten off to the, the start they've wanted but you know remember now Phil Housley comes in he's a new coach there they have a new general manager there as well and you know Phil Housley while being around, uh, you know, situation in Nashville last year, and he was the head coach of the World Junior team that won a gold medal at the uh, World Junior Championships in 2013, he has not have a lot of NHL. He has no NHL head coaching experience going into this circumstance. So uh, this is a team that has uh, average goaltending at best on most nights. Uh, it's a team that really uh, is not deep on defense at this point. I mean, you have Ristolainen, who's a, who's a terrific young prospect, but they're playing the heck out of him. He's playing almost 30 minutes a night, 27 minutes or so. So that's a lot. Um, you know, they're getting a lot out of those top three or four guys in their group. You know, the O'Reillys, the Eichels. Kane is playing well. It's a contract year for him. Palmerville has come in and, and, and kind of played well. But after that, it falls off, and uh, some of their other younger players, it's been a little bit of a struggle for them. So this is a team that there's still work to be done. They've got to get better defensively. Their goaltending has to be better, and and you add that in with an inexperienced head coach. I think maybe maybe I should have seen that it was going to be more of a challenge for them. But uh, Mm -hmm. the culture of having you know uh, of of not having success, and the situation there where. You know, the ownership has been heavily involved in the past. I mean, these are things that have to get straightened out, and they have to kind of get into that culture of success and expecting to be successful. So there's a lot of work to be done in Buffalo still. Uh, Troy wants to know what Vegas is going to do. I think I'm saying his name correctly, Shepeshev, who has been yeah. you know, rumored to be uh, dealt by a yeah, Vegas. Well, I, I think uh, what may end up happening is that he might end up uh, – 
you know, you might end up having him terminate his contract, might get terminated, he might go back to the KHL. I mean, it, uh, you, I don't know if there's, you know, what kind of interest there is for him at that number, at the contract number that he has right now. I know his line mate from the KHL, Dadanoff, has come over and played in Florida and played very well, but he's been supported well. He's playing, uh, you know, on a line there with Barkoff and Uberto, who are very comfortable with one another, so he's been a good fit with them. Um, but if there's nobody willing to bite on a you know a four million plus contract on Chipeshev who really has had uh, who hasn't impressed obviously the group in Vegas to the point uh, that he is going to be part of their group, then I would imagine what could happen is that uh, the contract could end up being terminated and maybe he would be allowed to go back to the KHL. But that's all just speculation on my part at this point. Yeah. So. That's a big name that keeps getting thrown in around and rumors Dip that just continue to swirl. Dipping off. <laughs> At some point, uh, that might end up being the case, so we'll see. And then Jake asks, who's your pick for the Rocket Richard Trophy this year? Ooh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. They I mean, go well, Kucherov, right? Kucherov would be the guy right now, I guess. I mean, Kucherov's such a good player. I mean, to think that he was a late second-round draft pick – it just goes to show you that, you know, Russian players, there is a fear, or there had been a fear by some teams, uh, you know, to pick a guy like this. But, you know, talk to people who saw him as a junior. They thought he was terrific. And um, I think people were just scared away a little bit because, you know, you're, you're worried that, you know, is he going to play in this league? Is he going to go play in the KHL? And, you know, some of these guys pan out. Some of them some of them don't pan out as well. But, boy, he is uh, – He's just a, a terrific, terrific player. He's so clever, and he's so quick, and his mind is thinking, and uh, it's just he's a joy to watch. And with him and Stamkos together, and then when you put together Hedman on that power play with those three guys kind of working distinct areas of the ice, I mean, they are just very, very difficult to stop. So he's there for sure. Ovechkin, I think, will still continue to get his goals, although the Capitals are struggling. And after that, you know, it's hard to say how it's going to play out because uh, we have so many guys that can score in this league now. It's it's fun to watch. All right. We're going to squeeze one on out before you let you go. Uh, right. for, Forever TH says, should the Leafs trade for a defenseman at the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, I think if they can, if they can trade for one, that that makes sense uh, for them moving forward. Remember now, they're, this is a team that has a lot of good young players. They are going to be a team that is going to be uh, good for years to come, They you would think. And so – you know, do you trade for some older guy and give away a good player to get him? Uh, probably not. I mean, I think that, you know, that someone like James Van Riemsdyk might be someone that would you could dangle to get a, a top four guy. But it's always tricky to trade wingers for defensemen. So I think it would have to be, you know, you have to look at the right situation to see if there's teams that have a surplus of those players that are looking for a uh, you know another veteran offensive player, I mean Carolina's got excess uh, young defensemen there. If there is such a thing, Anaheim has has been in that situation. Um, you know, so those might be teams that there might be a match with. But uh, yeah, I, w- I would think you know in a perfect world, when we just look at it and you say, hey, should they do this? Yeah, if the deal is there and you can get the kind of player that's going to come in and be part of your group now and in the years to come, I'd say yeah, do it. But those kind of trades are hard to pull off. So uh, if Lou can pull the trigger on it, I'm sure he will, but I just don't think it'll be easy. Any shot of seeing uh, you tomorrow at the game? 
Yes, I Excellent. will actually be at Madison Square Garden all day because we are doing uh, some interviews in the morning at uh, the Morning Skate, and then we, we are actually doing our show via remote, or I will be doing my portion of the show via remote from uh, the Garden, and I will likely stay around and watch the game. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm an old-school Vegas Golden Knight watcher, yes. I've seen them at home, <laughs> I can say now I've seen them on the road. I'm so, looking forward uh, to seeing yeah. them, too. And great, uni- great uniforms. Yeah, it, does, it looks like I, I can't wait to see them, and I can't wait to see clean. you. And you'll love the what do you call? It? You'll love to call them. I don't know if you're doing the game tomorrow, but uh, when you get an opportunity to call one of their games, pretty very clean, easy to see. And uh, I like the white with the white gloves, which you'll probably wear on the road. But I also like the gray at home. So they uh-huh. do a nice job with those unis. Now Kenny's got the call. I'm on pre and post, so that means I can spend more time talking to you during the game. All right, I love it. <laughs> better for me. Th- better for me. Thanks a lot, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, you got it, Donnie. All right, that's the great EJ Raddick joins us every Monday here on the Game Misconduct Podcast. All right, slew of games tonight. Kind of odd. Usually Tuesday's the big day in the NHL, but only three games on Tuesday. We got eight tonight. Starting with those Golden Knights, they'll be in Brooklyn to take on the Islanders. Interested to see that one. Flyers and the Coyotes. Coyotes still looking for their first win. EJ's right. Saturday they outplayed the Devils, but the Devils took advantage of some power play opportunities. Devils got to clean things up defensively. They're playing well offensively, but they blew the two-goal lead late against the Ottawa Senators, got bailed out in the shootout, had the fight back from a goal down in the third period to beat the Coyotes, but the Coyotes still the only team in the league without a win. Flyers home with a 6-5 and five record. Bruins at the Blue Jacket should be a good one. Canadians playing a little bit better. As I mentioned, 83 shots in the last two games. They'll take on a Senator team that you want to try to take the overtime because the Senators have played 11 games and five of them have been losses uh, in either overtime or the shootout. Canadians still 3-7-1, which is an ugly start. The Battle of Florida, the Lightning and the Panthers. This is another meeting between those two teams, the Lightning 9-2-1. Panthers kind of up and down at 4-5-1. Those red-hot Kings will be in St. Louis to take on the Blues. The Canucks winners of four in a row home for the Stars. And the Maple Leafs will be in San Jose to take on the Sharks, and that should be interesting tonight. It's a late start, 10-30, but if you've been watching the World Series, you should be used to staying up late as Patrick Marlowe returns to San Jose. So that should be a good one. So thanks for joining us. Trying to get in as many emails as possible. Um, Dan sent his Facebook message asking about some of the changes to the Rangers, but you know we're running out of time. We'll probably read a little bit more, but I think we talked a lot about the Rangers today, so hopefully, Dan, we answered your questions on Facebook. But if you have questions on Facebook or on Twitter, you can get in touch with me. Of course, you know the way at Don LaGreca, hashtag game is so tomorrow we'll be back. A lot of games to recap, and we'll uh, do more on Vegas. His first game of Madison Square Garden as well tomorrow, and uh, discuss everything that's going on in the National Hockey League. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don Lagreca? Hear him on the Michael K Show weekdays from three to seven p.m. on ninety-eight point seven ESPN in New York. And worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.